Hey, Technically Speaking fans, it's Nate Harris. Today's episode of the podcast is a pretty special one. I've got an exclusive interview with Mohamed El-Gendi. He's a software engineer specializing in deep learning and artificial intelligence, and he's the author of the new book, Deep Learning for Vision Systems. We'll be discussing the fast-growing field of computer vision, deep learning, and neural networks, as well as how developers are training machines to recognize real-world objects and the applications of that technology. And special for Technically Speaking listeners, we've got some promo codes for his new book. Now, down in the show notes, I've included a link to his book, as well as the promo code PODTEX19, P-O-D-T-E-C-H-S-19, which will get you 40% off of his new book. But also be on the lookout throughout the podcast for a special keyword. And the first five people to tweet at me on Twitter with the keyword will receive a code for a free electronic copy of Deep Learning for Vision Systems. So make sure to listen out for that. You'll know it and tweet at me at N with an 8 on Twitter. N-W-I-T-H-A-N, the number 8. So just listen out for that. So without further ado, let's get into it. Testing output. What is a vision system? We've always believed that by giving people wonderful tools, who could have predicted the challenges for Samsung? You enabled them to do guys far more business. Wonderful thing. Wonderful thing. Wonderful thing. Computers, smartphones, televisions, artificial intelligence, the Internet of Things. Hold on to your dongle. It's time for Technically Speaking. Here's Nate Harris. Thank you for joining me, Mr. Uh, El Gendi. Um, wanted to talk to you today. Uh, you are a uh, specialist in machine learning. Is that correct? Yep, correct. Awesome. Uh, so just uh, just to start off, can you give us a little bit of, of your background, kind of which, what you're doing on, who are you? Yeah, absolutely. And hey, thanks, Nate, for inviting me over. Uh, I went through your uh, podcast and uh, very exciting. I hope we can make uh, another good uh, episode for this one. Um, well, okay, here's a quick intro about uh, my background. I'm a yeah, CS student as well. Uh, I've been working as a software engineer for, uh, for many years, and then I uh, got excited about ML and um, you know, I, w w the buzzword for this is AI, but I actually got excited about uh, machine learning and what uh, what big data has to offer to us. And then I started with several, you know, like everybody's okay. What is what's going on? Let's open this uh, black box. Um, I, we opened it, and then there's a lot of ML algorithms as we will be talking uh, um, through this episode. And then uh, there are different applications. So it's just first because there's a lot of things that are going on. You really don't know where to start from. Uh, so I, I wanted to start from the end with the application, get excited about a specific application and then start working on it and learn whatever algorithms to get you, you know, to get there. So start working on projects. So I started initially working on NLP projects, which is natural language processing for a couple of years. And then I, I did not get very excited about it um, for many reasons. I mean, one, one of the reasons is uh, the, the research is not as advanced uh, as, um, as as computer vision, and basically you don't see much magic. It's more of data mining work, 
um, I was, I didn't, I mean, after a year or two, I did not feel super excited about, you know, what, what NLP research is offering to us. Of course, now things have been a lot more advanced, but I'm talking about five or six years ago, maybe even seven years ago. And it, it, I got started excited about computer vision at that time, convolutional networks had just started, you know, coming up and maybe in, in, in 2012 or 2013. And you, you can start seeing real magic with computer vision. And uh, I'm a person of pictures, so I, I, that just aligned with my personal interests. Uh, I started working on computer vision projects. And then um, I, 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 at the time, I, was, I, was, I had just started working at Amazon. Uh, I was managing the, uh, uh, the, the, the Kindle team. The Kindle mobile team, and then I started working on. It was not really ML stuff, or it's not. Uh, it was part ML, but it was not really computer vision. And then I got excited about computer vision, and then I, I taught the computer vision uh, course at um, Amazon's um, machine learning university. So Amazon has this internal MLU, uh, which is a school that teaches um, uh, engineer Amazon engineers um, ML um, algorithms and stuff. So and then I built a computer vision. Uh, central team within Amazon that works on projects with different teams in Amazon Go and the, and the retail team and the robotics team. And, and then lately, last year, I joined a, an AI startup that is specialized in computer vision. This is where I wanted to, you know, put all my efforts in, uh, in terms of, you know, going deep into building new technology. That's not, uh, that, that's something that I don't believe was out there before. Uh, we will talk about this later, but um, in in general, that that was my the, my the natural progress of what happened. Started from a software engineer into ML, not knowing what which part exactly I want to focus on, until I got I found uh, my home in the past few years in computer vision area, and this is you know where uh, the book uh, talks about. Yes, yes, you have uh, your have written a new book, uh, Deep Learning for Vision Systems, which I'm sure yeah. will become a, a, a mandatory reading textbook for a lot of computer science students as, uh, you know, vision systems and kind of this uh, AI and machine learning uh, mm -hmm. field rapidly is expanding and a lot of more people are, yeah. are interested to get involved as you, uh, as you have. So, yeah, and then it's real, real magic. I mean, with computer vision, we will see stuff, and uh, on the news, most of what we see. And then the last thing, the closing note on the the, the comparison between uh, NLP and computer vision is simply looking at where like uh, Alexa and Siri and you know Google Home where they are now, and how we feel. Just your personal judgment on it. I'm not going to say mine, but it's it's pretty clear whether you feel that this technology is smart or stupid when you have it at your home. Compared to uh, computer vision-based products that, that are out there, one of them, of course, is self-driving cars and others. So basically, yeah, I mean, computer vision is my personal interest now, and I feel like you can, re I mean, you can read the book, you can uh, study an online course, and start creating magic right away. Now, can you talk a little bit more? You mentioned self-driving cars. I think people probably think of like self, like Teslas and stuff like that as yeah. um, machines recognizing objects. But I'm sure there's a lot more applications out there. Do you? I mean, what are you working on specifically? Um, so what I'm not working on self-driving cars. Is this? Uh, are you asking specifically about self-driving cars or, or uh, well, my, just my project? What other what other types of of applications? Oh uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So lots of stuff. I mean, uh, where do I start? So. Um, you can see now computer vision applications are the, the technology is booming across all industries starting from healthcare and the, we've seen a lot of cancer diagnostic research and in diagnostic re, diagnostic applications in general whether it's uh you know cancer or tumor or any kind of diagnostics so i i believe that 
soon in the next decade, diagnosticians will, will be replaced by, by AI. And here, when I say replaced, I don't mean necessarily a person losing their job and the AI is doing it. It's more about this person can, can scale what they're doing faster and more accurate. And then doctors can, and, and other physicians can focus on, you know, other work. So that's just like, that's the clarification of what I meant by replaced, but on the healthcare side, and on the uh, on the robotics side, uh, and part of the robotics is self-driving cars and self-flying drones, right? These are all computer vision applications, which, I mean, that's even the, the, the bigger picture. When we say self-driving car or self-flying uh, drone, that's the, like a big box that we say, okay, they have computer vision applications. But if you open that, it's a lot, like hundreds of different applications, starting from uh, traffic sign recognition, that's a piece that's in there. So the, the car, when it's, when it's driving in the car, you need to have lane recognition, right? And then pedestrian uh, recognition and then um, so traffic sign. So it's a lots and lots of different systems and the, the lots of different applications. And just we say, so driving car, but inside it, there's a lot, it's probably everything. That's why it's the, you know, the, the, the project of the century that's happening now. But other than that, there are a lot the other applications on the classification side, like the classifying, you know, the simplest uh, version of it is classifying dogs versus cats. But the, the 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 real world application of this is classifying, you know, different types of tumors, different, um, uh, like I said, traffic signs and so on. So that all falls under uh, classification problems. Other problems are object detection problems, which is basically not just looking at the image and telling you what's in the image. It's uh, it's uh, it's localizing the, the the object as well. So the the self-driving car has like a a large scene in front of it, and it's not just saying it doesn't just classify pedestrian versus another car. It actually localizes everything, and you can see that in the the bounding box that it draws around around the object. So that's the this category is called object uh, detection, which is the the classification part plus the localization part. And then there's the the cooler side of I mean cooler as in like the more magical side of it that, that we see which is um, we've seen AI now generating art right which we called generative models which the, these are the, the I know you're excited about talking about deep fakes because it's in the media out there but uh, there's lots of examples of um, AI models or deep learning technology that's used um, uh, in creating art or creating images or videos. Um, the latest example that comes to my mind is uh, late last year, if I remember correctly, it was sometime in, in, in October, uh, the bunch of students in, uh, in France, and I remember they were like uh, just 25 years old uh, around this age, they created a, the, a portrait of Edmond Bellamy and they sold it for like $500,000, right? They just they used the open source again algorithm or open source deep learning algorithm um, It's using the same technology as deepfakes. Or the same neural network, same neural network type. But the point is, um, the bar has been lowered so so much now that um, a bunch of students are able to create real art. So that's the third vertical, um, you know, that I see though. So classification and detection and generative models. Gotcha. So uh, let's can we jump into the how the technology works a little bit? Um, yeah. Like kind of how to kind of a complete stranger. Can you explain what? a vision system is and what deep learning is and how these kind of work without yeah, getting too technical. Yeah, I will, uh, I'll try. So uh, I can do this in the, in the simplest ways and it gets more challenging, not just simplifying the topic, but actually 
just using voice without uh, you know uh, showing you know anything on the board or, or, or a doc or a slide but let me let me give it my best shot um, so deep learning is uh, is an one of the ml algorithms so it's a subset of machine learning machine learning what is machine learning is just basically um, the, the the algorithm or the, the computer is learning from data so the, the computer learns patterns from data when you give it when you give the computer lots of uh, spam emails it looks at this it looks at the, at the email and starts recognizing patterns uh, whether the, the there's a lot of there's there's a word that's called you know uppercase free or uppercase uh, click now we, we humans when we look at 10 spam emails we can recognize some patterns but um, machine learning algorithms can do that on millions and millions of emails so this is basically what ml is machine learning is uh, the computer is learning from data now deep learning is one of the machine learning algorithms so ml has uh, you know uh, support vector machines and and uh, k nearest neighbors like set of you know i think it's limitless uh, you know good amount of uh, algorithms one of them is called deep learning and this is the biggest one now because it has revolutionized what ml can do now deep learning itself is uh, is based on neural networks and the, the the creators of deep learning or 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 the neural network they um they try to mimic the human brain of how they work so the human brain has uh, millions and millions of neurons that are connected to each other and using you know synapses and then there's input output this is the simplest thing of simplest way of how i would explain neural networks so basically it's if you look at one neuron has uh, like a uh, a circle that has two inputs and one output that's one neuron and it can detect you know let's call it one pattern in your in your data set now you you want to have millions of these neurons and this is where the neural network happens so just uh, deep learning is basically millions uh, we, we we build thousands and millions of neurons to mimic the human brain to um, detect patterns in data now that we this is the deep learning right this is i was i was explaining the deep learning side of the equation now vision systems on the other hand it's just basically building computers that understand images now vision computer vision is not something new it has been for for decades um, and there is now there's a distinction now between uh, traditional computer vision and deep learning computer vision or ai computer vision because traditional computer vision let's say if you want to detect a um a, a car in an image on a, so you, you 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 actually hard code the features of the car you say if you find a wheel right then probably this is a car versus you know it's not a cat like if you want to classify between a car and a cat so you hard code this is traditional computer vision using your the human intuition to understand the features in the images exactly like we just what we just did with the spam email humans are trying to identify patterns and features um, using deep learning now you don't you don't need to know what's inside the image at all you don't need to know um, to understand the features if, if anything the, the, the one of the challenges of, of, of using deep learning is the explainability because if, if people it's, it's real magic that you you don't know what's happening inside mm -hmm. i mean mathematically it's understood but you don't you business people so the engineering people or the tech team is building a neural network and the business team is challenged because they have to explain some how they made the decisions on the for on the business side but that's a different topic but in general vision systems 
are now you can see them as you know traditional computer vision all the way until uh, you know deep learning start booming and now um, deep learning uh, is, is being used to identify features uh, on its own. So this is what the book it talks about. It's, talk, it's talking about how to build uh, smart vision systems using deep learning technology. I see. So what you, you so computers being able to recognize patterns that dates back to almost as old as computers are. But have there been yeah. any major software or hardware kind of uh, breakthroughs that have propelled this forward to make it very really viable now as far as like deep learning systems? Yeah, you 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 kind of uh, you know hit the nail on the head now, Nate, because um, I, I mean, interesting enough, uh, deep learning has, it's not new either. It just started booming in the last 10 years, but it, um, the, theoretically it has been there since the 50s or the 60s of the last century. Um, the reason it had that you, you see, we see and everybody we hear about the, 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 the revolution that's happening now in AI and deep learning uh, in the past you know, 12 years or 10 years is two things. One is like you said, the hardware, which is the computing power. Um, now we have super fast computers uh, whether on the cloud or the GPUs that are happening, you can purchase them and you can build your own server now at home. Um, but the, the hardware, the graphic, graphical cards, the, the, the GPUs uh, that NVIDIA now is, is building. So uh, on the hardware side, that's that's one thing. And then on the other side is the data. Um, back then, we, we I mean, neural networks are data hungry. By data hungry, you, you need millions of images uh, to get uh, satisfying results or, um, you know, uh, results that are, um, that can compete with human performance. Um, to be back then, we didn't have that. So these two factors, the computing power that's available now and the uh, data that's available now, that's what actually opened the door for everything we're seeing now in, uh, in ML and deep learning. Gotcha. So how do you, how do you, that was one of my questions was, going to be how do you manage such large amounts of data i mean I, i'm assuming you're giving it images but there's also probably a lot of of other forms of data that they're using both input and output yeah so now we, we can talk you know application specific um if we uh we, go, we can go back to the uh, you know uh, dogs and cat example until uh we we can we can have we can evolve this discussion throughout this this file but uh, the, the simplest form is if you're building a or, or, a, or a cancer tumor or cancer classifier, uh, tumor classifier, I'm sorry, uh, to, to the, the only form of data that you need to feed the network is images, right? So most computer vision applications relies 90% of it on, on um, image data. There are some uh, applications as exceptions, but in general, whatever you're building, whether you're building uh, self-driving car. I'm here. I'm talking about the perception piece of it, not the entire self-driving car, but the perception piece. You're, you're or you're building a um, a diagnostic uh, healthcare application, or even uh, the applications that I'm working on now. So these are all image data. Now the image data here um, has two big pieces that you want to look at. One is the image acquisition. How are you going to acquire all these images? And then the number two is uh, the labeling piece of it. Um, which is a pretty brutal process, especially the labeling process. Um, now, the the acquisition depends on what the what is the what's the application that you're building. Most of the times, you have to go out and take pictures yourself. I've been talking to, I mean, of course, with my team, and I've been talking to 
different teams building computer vision uh, startups. And most of the time, I can, I can, you can quote me on 80%, unless the data is available somewhere online or something, or at the customer side, but you, you collect the data manually yourself, at least in the first phase, right? And that, that depends how long it is, the first couple of years. And then you, you label it again manually, and some teams uh, label them themselves, and or some others just, uh, there are, there's a whole ecosystem of companies that does this uh, offshore. And another example of this is Amazon mTOR, which of course, uh, if you're not familiar with it, it's a freelancing website uh, that Amazon built for, for this purpose. So yeah, so the, the data part is the, you acquire it, it's a big piece, and then you label it as a big piece. And then handling the data, which is which which is you know data engineering and software engineering in house in, in your team. That that there's that this is the third piece before you actually you know I mean outside anything that is uh, neural networks. I see. And then how how do you go about training it, and how long do you take to train a system like this? Um, let's be a little specific. So when you say a system like this, which system are we referring to exactly? Uh. How many how many images would it have to take for a computer to confidently decipher between uh, what, what were you saying a car and a cat? Okay, yeah, let's do let's do, let's keep the same example. Uh, in general, it, it's hard it's hard to throw out a number, especially in, in a podcast like this, and people start quoting it and you know build on it. But um, it's always never it always never hurts for for to get more data. However, to to get to add more guidance to this. Um, there are now uh, advanced neural network techniques um, called transfer learning, where a neural network can learn on uh, data sets that are available online. Uh, the Google and Amazon and other big guys have created lots of data sets that are available open source. Mm -hmm. So you train a neural network on a, a data set that is closest to the, to the data that you have, you're, you're, to the problem that you're solving. Right. Uh, if you're doing weapon detection like ours, we look at the Microsoft's uh, Coco dataset. It's called Microsoft M MS Coco because uh, it has weapons and so on. And if you're doing uh, cats and dogs, probably you want to do uh, ImageNet, which is another uh, huge dataset. Anyway, so the, the the point here is you look at the you look at you get an open source dataset that is available, it's millions of images, and then you train a neural network on it. Now. You can now from this point you can manually or however you acquire a thousand or two thousand images, uh, which is uh, you know that that it's, it's doable if you have to do something manually you don't have to do millions of images you can get like a thousand five hundred a thousand two thousand this range, and you can start your first iteration with that. Uh, this can give you um, really good results as a first step, and then you can iterate over it. So. Um, it, Machine learning projects are iterative process, and then you don't you start with the first iteration, and then you know where you're at, and you start doing what, what's called hyperparameter tuning, whether it's on the data side or on the actual neural network side. And how much of that is the computer self-adjust, and how much you have to stop after every iteration and and keep adjusting until you can you you there's still human interaction to narrow it down. There is, yeah, there is still human interaction. So to, to complete the cycle, so once you acquire the data and you actually manually label it, you go through it, there are labeling um, uh, tools out there. So you go through an image uh, image by image and you say, this is a car, this is a cat, and so on. Now you have, this is called supervised learning. Um, it's an ML technique where, where you're telling the, the network or the model 
the the right answer. So that you look at it, it's like teaching a baby when the first time they see a cat, you usually tell them, hey, this is a cat. And then they see a dog, they see a, they they think it's a cat. So they because it has four legs as well, and they have the same you know high level features. But once you tell them that oh, this is a dog, humans are intuitive enough to start finding different finding the differences between cats and dogs. Yeah, you know the cat the cat is smaller, the dog is you know, and so on. Now with the same thing, you, this is this is called supervised learning. So you give the uh, you give the, the the network all the images with its label. So now you acquire the images, you label them, and then you run your first iteration. Um, I'm expecting the first iteration is again based on the problem, but the first iteration will be around you know five or six hours. You're using one GPU. Because there's a lot of parameters here, and that that change that you know, if you raise the number of images or raise number of GPUs, the this the you know the estimate will change. But in general, if you start with the one um, GPU and you have um, you know, actually if you have uh, ten thousand images and one GPU, you can finish this uh, this iteration in an hour, right? Mm -hmm. So, but the point is, you you finish you, you train. And here iteration, I didn't mean one iteration of training. I meant iteration as in uh, experiment one exp full experiment because iteration uh, this this notation is used again in your network in, in number of cycles so I didn't mean that I meant uh, the, not this one iteration of, of uh, experimentation let's call it experiment one so you you run experiment one it takes a couple of hours and then you get your results now you have your results you start looking back what you need to improve based on the results there's there are ways to um, to structure the neural network and to troubleshoot the or debug the neural network to actually see them to understand the improvements that you need to do in the experiment two. Now the, the these improvements could be on the data side. You know maybe the data is not representative enough. Maybe the data is, is not you know uh, you know is not enough. It, you need a lot of other data or you need some pre-processing data. There's a lot of work on the data side. But the, 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 and then the improvements could be on the model side. Maybe it needs to be trained more. Maybe uh, it needs to be deeper network. Maybe it needs, you know, like, and there's a lot of those. And I covered that deeply in chapter four because this is most of what, uh, most of the deep learning work happens here. It's not really on the, um, you know, building the neural network because everything is available now open source. Mm -hmm. uh, but, and that's it. And then you go from experiment one, experiment two, experiment three. It's a it's a non-end thing, but you just have to usually. Uh, I mean, the, the the high level guideline is you get to a 90% uh, accuracy in, in 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 one week. You get you jump from 90 to 95 in in three months, and then from 95 to 98 in six months, and then 98 above uh, if you ever get there, right? So there, this is not a, an accurate estimate, but just to give an idea of, it's easy to get to a 90%. It depends on the problem, but in general, to, the first jump is big. 80 or 90 and then to move up one percent gets really higher and higher and it involves a lot of research work and uh, data processing work uh, as as higher you go in accuracy to just uh, shift the accuracy one percent up it's really really hard um, above a certain limit yeah that was going to be my next question is for <laughs> these systems where you know maybe detecting a between a car and a cat's not all that important but if you're building a, a self-driving car and you need to recognize objects or you're trying to detect you know like you said cancer or detect weapons or something accuracy yeah. is very vital so kind of what th threshold uh, obviously i'm assuming you're probably aiming for 100 percent, but like what is good enough yeah so actually that's a that's a, 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 a i love this question for many reasons because um 
uh, we I have this uh, the same uh, problem that I'm working on now in my um, in my current uh, job. Uh, so let me give a quick introduction on what we do, and then you will understand this. So what we do is we're building a uh, an object detection algorithm that detects um, weapons in the X-ray machine. So you have the X-ray machine. You know, like, for example, if you go to the airport, you see the X-ray machine. There's a human operator looking at the screen all the time, and then uh, they're trying to interpret when you look at the image whether this is a gun or a, or a knife or a nail clipper or and so on. Uh, so basically, this is what we do: is we build a product. It's a hardware and software product that is connected to, that we connected to the X-ray machine, and shows a bounding box when it sees a threat, and we train it on these threats. Now, what is the first philosophical question that we have to answer, other than the we have a lot of technology uh, challenges, but uh, the philosophical question is, what is good enough, right? Because we, you go out there, I mean, ideally, if you want to detect, detect a gun, you want to be 100% accurate. If you want to detect a knife, still, you know, it doesn't mean a knife is, I mean, you still want to be 100% accurate. And anything less than that, it means there's still a door, like a window open somewhere for somebody to jump in with their weapon. Now, the... The, the the easiest way or like the, the most straightforward way to, to start from is look at the human performance on this application that you're working on. Uh, start, try to ben, benchmark from there. So the human performance in you know, detecting uh, weapons, you look at your exact industry, you look at the user that, that is using this now, and then whether there are stats out there or the customer, your customer know, like the customer that you're building this product for, they know it, or you run your own experiments, right? So basically you start from there and then a neural network that is, and this is a general rule for um, deep learning or ML products. When you start from the human performance level and try to beat that, right? And then start to improve from there. The improvement will never stop. Right, so 100%. I have it's it's unheard of in in, in deep learning, but or, or in, in ML projects and like in detecting something 100%, it's kind of unheard of because things change all the time and, and evolve all the time. Mm -hmm. But uh, you you definitely you don't need to wait until you're 100% or even 90 something percent to start you know working on uh, on the challenge or selling the product. Um, the 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 good benchmark here is look at the human performance. Of everything, anything you're building, and start from there. Gotcha. And I would assume with like something like detecting weapons, it's better to have a false positive or a yeah false positive as opposed to a false negative. Yeah, that's another great question because, um, and again, I mean, the general the intuitive answer is yes, right? Some clients say, um, I don't like a lot of false positives. It, uh, it it slows down the process because every false positive. You have to, you know, open the bag and and, and check what's inside it. So I, I don't mind lowering the accuracy a little bit, but lower the, you know, the false positives as well. I don't want false positives, right? Because I want the throughput, right? So it, the, the intuitive answer is yes. You false positive, if raise the false positives to make sure the accuracy is higher. But again, talk to your customer, understand the people that you're building the product for. Maybe they have different priorities. Maybe it's not, maybe security is super important, but they care about the throughput, for example. So you need to balance that as well. So trying to implement these uh, systems where they could one day replace, uh, where you could 
have this system as opposed to a human looking at those X-ray images. Yeah. Um, you're tr aiming to to outperform the current human that's doing that. Yep. And then you feel confident, and the client feels confident in the system being good enough to to replace the human. Yeah, exactly. So the moment you say you 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 know you run experiments, so you're able to prove that um, the the AI brain is able to outperform the human brain. I think you are at a great point where you say, okay, let's uh, let's build the surrounding software that serves this AI brain. To, to replace now the, this this piece, the, this human in this uh, specific role, right? Uh, this is a good starting point. The, the, the beauty of this is um, even if they are the same performance in terms of, you know, accuracy and so on, um, the humans get tired and they get exhausted after long hours of staring. So they don't have constant performance, whereas um, computers have constant performance. That's why the future of computer vision has to be, I mean, that's just my personal opinion. Uh, it will, um, you know, it will, it will, will be, it will be the human performance, definitely. Um, because we, we humans get exhausted, get tired after some time. They're, they, they are not focused 100% during their entire shift, for example. But uh, computers are, they have constant performance. If, they give them, if you give them the same parameters, you know, they have constant performance. So that's something that we humans cannot compete with. All right, Technically Speaking fans, the keyword is PI, P-I, like the number 3.14. First five people to tweet at me on Twitter, at N with an 8, N-W-I-T-H-A-N, the number 8, with the keyword PI, will receive a code for a free copy of Deep Learning for Vision Systems. Now, do you know an industry that has already replaced human workers or, or, or the human with instead a, a deep learning system or, or a vision system? Uh, let's see. Um, so we're so early in this. Um, I know a lot of, are trying to do that. Um, let's see if I know something from something that's commercial that has done has done that. Um, I know there's a lot of agricultural applications out there. I don't know if it replaced it because I'm not really familiar with the uh, with the industry, but I know there's a, a lot of uh, and security. Well, wait, okay. So actually, security has I think will has the best shot. So we have a lot of cameras at home that uh, I mean you. You know, so this is something that I'm not 100% positive on, but I see that like, we're very close on home security. Now you you really need a human to you know be around you, and uh, and and home and smart homes as well. Not not that we have you know uh, people doing this job, but we are replacing our we so we don't have to replace. I'm I'm looking at this question not as in the sense of a um, an employee an employee has been replaced. I'm looking at as a task that humans used to do and don't do it anymore. And the best thing uh, to look at this is the, the um, home assistant um, applications like uh, Alexa and Siri and so on. They have, now you don't, if, you're, if your home is like my home, you don't need to do many things anymore. You know, you don't, you don't need to um, turn the lights on and off or like all this stuff. They, this is all deep learning. Uh, it's NLP though, it's not uh, computer vision. But there's a lot of home home um, security cameras that are computer vision that notify you whenever you know uh, 
somebody or a car passes by your place or somebody walks by your courtyard, sends you a notification. These are all computer vision systems. Uh, they replace, I don't know if they replace a real human in this area, but I know for a fact that they, you know, they solve problems. Now humans don't need to do that. So I guess even in that sense, it's not just uh, current things in place that humans do that computers could take over, but whole new in industries. Nobody had thought home security yes. run entirely by uh, a vision system, learning yeah. and being able to monitor your home for that. So Yeah, that's exactly where it is. So I'm assuming there's there's a lot of growth and future in this in this industry. Yeah, I mean, uh, we, we just started. Um, the, the technology is five to ten years old. I mean, I'm talking about like the, the, the latest boom, the latest wave of AI. So, so uh, uh, new and you see a lot of research happening in these areas. Um, and more importantly, more importantly, a lot of startups are popping up everywhere working on um, AI um, applications in general and computer vision specifically because this is my industry. I, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping my eye on everything that's going out there. And then you see awesome magical stuff that is happening. And then you can start imagining the future that probably the future is, is not that far off. I mean, in five years, um, probably you will not have to, if you live in the Bay Area, I mean, probably you, you can commute uh, with the with self so the self-driving car back and forth uh, in in the little not really far future but midterm future probably we don't have to have to own cars at all we don't have to uh, you know um, we, we don't have to like we, we, can, we can we don't have to really do anything that we don't like to do in terms of you know your personal assistance you can they can just do that for you like computer personal assistance and you know the the, the flying drones delivery drones and the robotics is, is evolving rapidly now. I mean, the, the future is really, I'm, I'm thinking that every five years, we look back at the past five years and, and we find a lot that we've been doing and we don't do anymore, but we do a lot better. Yeah, that's definitely, I'm trying to think back to uh, 2014 and, and even yeah. since then, there's a lot of things have, have changed and improved um, because of advancements in technology. Mainly, I think mainly during that time, it was kind of the boom of the smart assistants and the, the home assistants. And yeah, that's exactly. And natural, uh, and was NLP. It's NLP. natural language. So yeah, NLP is natural language processing. And then a branch from this is NLU, which is natural language understanding. This is the, 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 the brain of NLP. Gotcha. Awesome. Well, if somebody wanted to get uh, started in in learning with vision systems and in applying it, other than reading your book, um, what what sh <laughs> you know, what should they do? What you know, other specific programming languages or, or hardware they should tinker with to kind of really jump in? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, here's what I'm going uh, I'm going to say about this. Um, well, obviously, uh, I'll be biased, you know, recommending starting with my book, but. The, the reason I actually started, wrote this book is actually I, it was it was struggling for me to jump into, I mean, when I was starting, I was struggling to jump into, you know, an application or actually start from, you know, knowing nothing into learning and building projects and then getting a job, right, in this area, which would, the real progress happens after you really get the job. So uh, it, it was challenging for me to find some, like a, one resource uh, whether it's an online course or a book or you know tutorial or anything, one resource that just shows me the the, the bird's eye view, the entire layout of computer vision, 
right, from A to Z, and then dives uh, vertically uh, deep enough for, for me to understand how to build something, right, after I read this chapter, uh, whether it's a startup or something. So read it, read one chapter, and then, you know, you start building your thing, and but deep enough as well to understand the mathematical part, because um, it's really exciting for me, and it's not at all uh, scary, and math has been scaring a lot of people uh, just by by reputation, not by actually it's, it's complex. So the the, my, this, that, was, that was the motivation of, of writing this book. However, um, other resources that uh, people can start with, um, start with an online course, right? Start with any, um, you know, Andrew Wang's course on, on Coursera. It's great. Uh, you can finish it in a few months. And my advice is just, you know, build a project and, you know, look, uh, I mean, after the, the, the Andrew Inks course, look on GitHub and try to play with, I mean, reproduce projects. Um, there's one thing that I don't want you to miss out at all when you're in your learning journey is reading the research papers. This is where it actually will make the real difference. Not that you will, I mean, assuming that you learned very well from the online course, and from the projects, that's good enough to, for you to build. But the research paper will will take you will 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 add this the the delta from you know the, the 95 to 98 percent accuracy. This is when you really understand what's happening under the hood, and you really understand you know how to if you're competing or you're building a product that you need to compete in the market. Uh, one thing is you know doing the, the the project, and the other thing is actually adding this you know, last mile of uh, creating something and changing the architecture of the neural network. This comes from reading the paper, and that's what I focused on in my book. But again, until this happens, just read the, the papers uh, along with projects. Um, and in terms of hardware, I don't think you need to buy any hardware just when you're starting. Um, Google, uh, Google Cloud, and and uh, and Amazon uh, AWS, they have the infrastructure ready for us. Just go out there. And get the the, the 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 GPU instance from from there. It's really easy to start with. You can start within uh, 15 minutes, and then you just train your neural network. Um, I would not advise um, beginners to buy hardware at all uh, unless they you know they find you know they've been the reason is for you to play with it and know uh, whether you need it or not, and then you start building your own rig after you know however fast you want. But after you are comfortable, and this is exactly what I want to do. And you start start tinkering with uh, a lot of data, millions of images. Now, is so, there yeah. is there a te technical limit to to this technology? Can if you train it right, can a computer detect any object? Oh, that's a tricky question. Question: When you say if you train it right, okay, here's what uh, I would here is where I would draw the line. If a if something you can see, okay, a human can see it with their eyes. A computer should be able to learn it, right? So, if a human is doing this job now, then our or, or is a human like today is doing this job, then definitely this is feasible that the technology can learn it. That's that's very impressive. Yeah, it's, this is actually the benchmark because at the end of the day, we had this, uh, we have this a lot. Uh, you know, we're dealing with X-ray images, and then sometimes you know the X-ray doesn't see the object; it's, it's hidden below. You know, a lot of uh, you know, heavy cluster or big piece of metal. metal. So the, the answer is usually if, if, if the eye cannot see it, then the image is hard. It's a, now it's an image problem, not the, uh, the AI problem. 
Um, it's, it's exactly if you put a, a pen under the desk and then uh, you look at uh, you look at the desk from the top, you don't see it. So don't expect that the AI would see it. It's just a basically now it's a hardware problem or it's a camera problem that is feeding the image to the to the brain. It's not the brain problem; it's the camera. It's not seeing it. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Uh, well, so the book is a Deep Learning for Vision Systems uh, by Mohammed El Gandhi. Uh, it's due to publish. I don't think it's out yet. It's coming out later this year, I believe, uh, from Manning Publications. It will most likely become a de facto textbook in a lot of computer science classes for those interested in getting into machine learning and vision systems. Um, thank you so much, uh, Mr. El Gandhi, for, for spending time and joining us on the podcast to talk about this. Thanks, Nate. Yeah, and uh, thank you for giving me the time. I really uh, had fun chatting with you and uh, thinking deep through uh, deep learning and computer vision systems. Uh, one one last thing about the the, the book. It's actually um, the Manning has a, a program. It's called MEEP, which is a Manning Early, Early Access Program. What what they do is the the book is available during the the writing process. It's available now to be bought on the on the on the, on the publisher's website. Uh, and uh, you get the, the new chapters as they are published chapter by chapter by the author. And so now, so far, we published seven chapters and um, I'm writing now chapter eight. So every six weeks, I push out a new chapter. Uh, it's really cool for me to get uh, to get the, these chapters out early and get feedback from readers and then iterate over them. I actually changed uh, the, the table of content uh, several times to incorporate a lot of questions that uh, I've received and uh, cover topics that you know exciting that people have notified me hey something just came out yesterday it would be cool if you look at it if it's worth it so uh, please if uh, if you or any of your um, audience just got the chance to uh, take a look at the, at the book now uh, shoot me an email or tweet at me or anything that I would love to hear your feedback and uh, I will actually put it in the book right away because I'm writing it right now awesome yeah I've been reading through uh, got through chapter f four or five I think so awesome. um going to continue reading it because it's it's very interesting you start from the basics and and really help somebody learn from the ground up how these things work and how to how to do them yeah it's a very exciting process awesome thanks, well, thank you so much for joining me absolutely thanks nate and uh, good luck with uh, the rest of the episodes well that was a very exciting interview i want to thank mr el gandhi for joining me on the podcast i learned a lot i hope you guys learned a lot this was a lot of fun and i Really appreciate the opportunity to be able to speak with him. That's going to wrap it up for this week's podcast, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening. I hope to be able to talk to more uh, professionals in the field like this. If you like this format of the podcast, let me know. I'll try reaching out and seeing if I can get more kind of interviews uh, with professionals in the field. If you have any questions you think I should ask in the future, if you any particular person or field or industry you want me to cover, let me know on Twitter at N with an 8, N-W-I-T-H-A-N, the number 8. Make sure to check out the show notes below this episode for a link to Deep Learning for Vision Systems by Mr. El Gendi, as well as the promo code PODTEX19, P-O-D-T-E-C-H-S 19, for 40% off of his book. Thanks so much, guys, for listening in. Catch you next time.